When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with crunch. I found this little orange and white spiraled, uh, so it was a Beatles record I had that uh, I found in the closet. And I stuck that on there and I was like, whoa, that blows the shit out of Puff the Magic Dragon. You know what I mean? I just started. <laughs> Once you stop taking yourself so seriously, you can have more fun with things, you know what I mean? And so I obviously uh, don't look like I'll get a bunch of girls dressed as Batman in that outfit, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate classic rock podcast that proudly claims that my music is better than yours. I'm Paul Stevenson. Thanks as always for hitting play. Now, my guest on today's show is Donny V, former frontman, lead singer, songwriter and guitarist with the band Enough is Enough. The group formed in the mid-80s, being primarily Donny and Chips Enough, the bass player, in Illinois and broke through big in the Chicago area. Enough's Enough were originally lumped in with the hair metal, glam metal scene and bands, but that doesn't do justice to the songwriting abilities of the band, and Donny in particular. Best known for their big singles, New Thing and Fly High Michelle, they were on heavy rotation on MTV. Howard Stern was a big fan and Donny worked with Howard again very recently on something. And so too was David Letterman, having them on the show multiple times as well. Rolling Stone magazine even called them the hot band of the year following their second album release, Strength. They even gathered together some of their favourite musicians to help them on their album Paraphernalia, including Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, JY from Styx and Billy Corgan from The Smashing Pumpkins. But, despite the ability, despite the backing, they never truly fulfilled their potential. An article published a couple of years ago by Louder Sound described it like this. Enough's Enough were the band of the moment, poised to write their name in the brightest of lights. Then they hit the self-destruct button. My guest, Donny V, by his own admission, even in this interview you're about to hear, has had a difficult life, a difficult childhood, followed by crippling addictions, but that should in no way detract from his ability to write brilliant music. Donny's back now, he's writing and releasing music and looking good, so it was great to have him on the show. But before we hear that chat, a quick roundup with what's gone on this week. Now, a thank you to a lot of people who've been in touch. This week, we had some good discussion on the Facebook page about two legendary figures in music. Led Zeppelin's album 4 is 50 years old this year, so I asked, is it their best album? As you can imagine, there were a lot of people saying yes, but with a band as mighty as Zeppelin, there were also a lot of people saying other albums deserve that title too. Brian Michael, Camille Renault. 
Jerry Forrest and Craig Strasberg all said physical graffiti. Alexis de los Santos said Led Zeppelin 1 will always be his favourite. He was 15 and mesmerised every time he listened. Musical genius. Ray Clark agreed with him, saying Led Zeppelin 1 was the blueprint for everything that followed. Me, my personal favourite, I've got to say, is Led Zeppelin 2. It's riff heavy, it's brilliant. Whole Lot of Love is obviously the big song on there, but other highlights are Heartbreaker and Ramble On, What Is and What Should Never Be, Living Loving Made, and of course, Bonzo's masterpiece, Moby Dick. The whole album for me is perfection, and Gerald Dye and Thomas Ney also agreed with me. Uh, The other big talking point of the week was Jimi Hendrix. It would have been his 79th birthday last week, so I asked everyone what their favourite Jimi Hendrix song was that wasn't all along the Watchtower. And I got some great responses too, to be fair. Darren Rocks, great surname, going for the trippy third stone from the sun. Andy Old with The Wind Cries Mary, backed up by Alan Fike, who says, the way Jimmy makes those notes flow in that song are so beautiful, it pleases his spirit to hear it. Bob Glesner put forward Burning the Midnight Lamp. Alan Becker votes for Crosstown Traffic, which is a great song. Chuck Morris Sr. and Kay Christian go for my choice, which is Hey Joe. While Joey Michaud says... Hendrix is his all-time favourite, so everything. But to step away from the bigger hits and name a couple, he'd say Bold as Love and Angel. Some great choices there, with other notable highlights for the big hits, Purple Haze, Voodoo Child and Fire too. It's definitely worth going back and enjoying the brilliance of Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin. So go on, do it after you've finished listening to this episode and this brilliant interview I've got coming up with Donny V. If you want to get involved in the chat and you want to mention on next week's show, then definitely give us a like and a follow on Facebook. Subscribe to the channel on there. Just go to Facebook and search for Vintage Rock Pod and you can look at the things that we post every week on there. Right, so to today's guest then, Donny, a night owl is probably the best way of putting things. I spoke to him at 1pm his time, 7pm my time here in the UK, but by his own admission, it was a bit early for him and he takes a little while to warm up as you'll hear, but he's a good laugh and he speaks from the heart. There's certainly no sugarcoating things when it comes to Donny. So here you go. Enjoy my chat with former Enough's Enough frontman, Donny V. I'm delighted to welcome to Vintage Rock Pod a man who is the king of the power pop. Yes, he writes melodies like nobody else. Welcome, please, the man, the myth, the legend, Donny V from Enough's Enough. Donny, how you getting on? I'm pretty good for my age. How about yourself? You're looking very good indeed. I've got to say that. You're looking really good, Donny. Oh, thank you. I don't uh, don't feel like (laughs) I look. (laughs) No, I think I do feel like I look. You're just being polite. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to have to take you right back to the early days before we get any further. Um, you and Chip, obviously, the, the key members of Enough's Enough, the band, um, you, you started by writing songs and playing anywhere you could. And, and Lenjard has it that you recorded your demo um, by sneaking into a studio at like 2 o'clock in the morning or something and using the equipment. Is that right? We used a lot of uh, after hours. You know, we would get favors and stuff from the studios, you know, when they weren't usually working and stuff. And so we get those hours and... You know, I've snuck into a lot of other things, but not the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so does that kind of sit nicely with your rock star kind of tendencies to be working at that time of night? Yeah, that's I'm I'm like right now it's like the crack of one and, and you know, I'm not I'm not fired up yet. So, uh, yeah, nighttime is when the sun goes down. It seems like the energy of the world goes down <laughs> and uh, and I feel better. I, my anxiety goes down and I get a little more relaxed and. You know, that kind of vampirish type thing, you know, without all the blood. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. We'd love it in Scotland right now because it's pitch black and it's, it's seven o'clock at night. So, yeah, you'd love it here. It's a bit cold, though. I love Scotland. Scotland's awesome. I love it. 
I haven't been there in a while. I was going to say, you guys did a, a lot, didn't you, over here in the UK in the kind of end of the 80s, early 90s, didn't you? Yeah, we pretty much, uh, UK and Scotland, everything kind of kept us uh, kept us afloat for a while. You know, um, yeah, we did, that was our first time over, I do believe. I, I remember I didn't know, we didn't cross any water or anything. So like, uh, so I didn't, I didn't know that we were still in, uh, that we were in Scotland. When we were still, I thought we were still in England. So I had said something and I got a few booze, but we worked it out. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love Scotland. I love the UK. We've gone there, man, since, from, since the beginning. I, just, I always love going there. I don't like the food, though. <laughs> oh, no. I'll <laughs> have to see if we can sort that out for you next time you come over. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to 1989, then, the, the self-titled uh, de- debut album contained uh, some big singles on there. New Thing, Fly High, Michelle. Got you a lot of MTV play, didn't it? TV shows. It got you in front of a nice mainstream audience, which helped to, to shift some, some really good copies of that first album, didn't it? Yeah, it was uh, the last hurrah, I do believe, you know, for, for good time uh, rock and roll. It's just I think everything just... Everything just started spiraling down after that. It was the, you know, we we caught the end of the good times, the party, you know what I mean? And so then it wasn't quite that anymore. And they were partying on uglier shit. But MTV, uh, yeah, of course, that was the that was the big format and platform, you know, in those days. And they still have it. I'm just I don't watch it. I don't know if what's even on it any anymore. It's probably not not music videos. <laughs> no, it's teen shows and things like that nowadays, isn't it? It's not it's not the music that we grew yeah. up with anyway. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so 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 back in those days, it was uh, it was all MTV. It was it was great times. It was party times, as you said. Um, here on the Vintage Rock Pod, we like to hear about some of the stories behind some of the big singles. So so take me back to the early days of Fly High, Michelle. What, what was the inspiration behind that? I mean, where did that come from? Um. Well, it was inspired by a loss of a friend, but uh, basically I kind of tied it into a loss of a friend because it. Uh, I know that was like the big story in those days. It was like, oh, the love of Donnie's life died and this and that. Well, it wasn't like that. But um, I mean, actually, the real story of how I wrote it is, is a lot less glamorous, you know, <laughs> just walking, walking down to the to the mini mart to get NyQuil, you know, <laughs> and, and that's the song just came to me in the middle of the night. And so me and Derek demoed it out that night so that's uh you know we did a lot of cocaine so we needed a lot of nyquil <laughs> at least on, at least on sundays they didn't sell booze on sundays in chicago so we was getting that though but yeah there's a it's like one big story you know if a one day I'll tell the whole story. Again, it was it was kind of the dream for for young musicians, wasn't it? Growing up back then, to to get yourselves on MTV, to to hear your, your songs on the radio. I mean, how can you remember the first time you you saw your video on the TV or you heard your song on the radio? How did that feel? Um, the first time I saw the video, uh, it was probably I don't know if it was a week, week and a half after uh, after we finished it. And um, I've told this story before, and I don't know if people believe me or not, but Derek and I were still still wearing uh, the clothes that we wore in the video and, <laughs> and still had some of the makeup left on. And we, we had not been to sleep yet for like a week, week and a half. And then the wow. video came on and we were sitting there, sitting there partying, uh, you know, doing a bunch of blow and drinking and stuff with these, with the, with these guys in uh, you know, a little apartment over in Sherwood Oaks. And there it came on and, and it just lit up. At first I was annoyed by it. Cause it was like, Oh, it was all bright. You know what I mean? And we've been up for a while. And then I looked over and I saw it. It was, Oh, that's me. Oh, there, Derek. And it was like, I remember that, 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 uh, clearly it was a crazy moment and everybody's sitting around. There's, there's partying with us and stuff or looking at the TV and looking at us, looking at the TV. It goes <laughs> like, you look a bit different. Yeah. Well, our beards grew out through the makeup and everything. We were still wearing the same clothes. 
the radio radio is different uh chip and i the first time we ever heard ourselves on the radio it was uh was a local radio station they used to have uh, in chicago that all the local bands and they had like a countdown where they'd uh <clears throat> different bands would you know be in the it's like a top 10 or whatever and and we sent one we sent our first song catholic girls into it and uh and we just hit number one with it and and never came off of there and uh then uh, I'm not sure the first time I ever heard it, uh, heard the new record on, um, on the radio. I'm, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't think of the first time that I, that I'd heard the song, you know, new thing or something like that on the radio. But, um, mm -hmm. I do remember that video. <laughs> <laughs> and you talk about that video because that was a bone of contention for, for a little while, wasn't it? Because you guys were all about the melody. It was about the craftsmanship of the music and that sort of thing. And uh, and at the time, you the, the record company were trying to paint you as this kind of glam metal, hair metal sort of thing to, to catch on to the, to, the, to the music that was around at the time. But yeah. it didn't sit comfortably with you, did it? No, it... Uh... Exactly what I'd feared would happen did happen. Only that at that age I was really young, so I didn't really know anything. But I just had my gut feeling told me uh, that that wasn't necessarily the the stars aligning with that band. You know what I mean? It was, it was just uh, a couple of different styles conflicted and didn't really uh, didn't really gel together. You know, like the the metal the metal, um, you know, hair, hair rock and stuff like that didn't, didn't gel with, uh, with the melodies in the songs, you know, so, um, somebody had to adapt. So I had to adapt. I adapted my writing and, and singing and stuff to adapt to, to that style, you know, cause, um, Chip and I, we were never glam. We were just flamboyant, you know, and, um, but we took to that, you know, like a fish to water because once you put all that makeup on and, you know, if somebody does it right, you look great. You know what I mean? And that's what everybody was doing. And uh, we just wanted to be better looking than the other guys, you know, but, <laughs> but even without makeup on and uh, when we weren't all done up, didn't have makeup on, we still kind of looked like that, you know, it's just the way the, the guys looked in the band, you know, but no, that image was, uh, that image was, uh, was fucked up. It did, it did, it did a good job for right at that particular time. You know, it, it we got a lot of notice and a lot of attention because yeah. uh, we kind of, you know, it, what Enough's Enough should have done was carve a niche, its own sound, its own niche, like uh, like U2 or the Tom Petty or somebody like that, where it's not affected by the times or the styles or or what's going on. It's our own thing. You know what I mean? And um, mm -hmm. but that didn't happen. Instead, we went with, uh, you know, um, what was, you know, what they were doing those days. And so that's uh, and, and in those days, what, what they were doing on those days was a big party. So. You know, I had no problem adapting to that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> In terms of the niche you talk about, I mean, the, the songwriting and, and the songs that you came up with and the melodies and, and that sort of thing was unique in a way to, to Enough's Enough. And it was it was something that other people would were, were trying to do or, or try to do, but you guys seem to capture it really well. Well, it uh, depends on who's trying to do it. You know what I mean? If you got, uh, if you got like, 80s 80s metal bands and stuff trying to do that that's it's not going to be successful because those guys didn't didn't grow up uh you know just listening to all that kind of stuff like i did you know i mean i got a big education on all that stuff you know i was five six years old i was already taking it in you know the melodies and the song structuring and orchestration i mean you can learn everything from the from the few things i was listening to when i was young you know and then brought some motown in there and uh then um, 
I wasn't a bit, I didn't really wasn't aware to wear of cheap trick at that time. Chip kind of brought that into, to, to my life. And I, I kind of, I knew I loved that right away. Robin's voice, the best, best power pop uh, singer there is in the songs. I was like, that's, so that's what we should be doing. I said, that makes sense. That's, that's what we should be doing. Not, uh, not this, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> with the, with the big giant hair and all that stuff and the sound. And then it, Eddie Van Halen on the guitar there, you know what I mean? It was like, it's like, there's already that, you know, and I said, nice cheap trick. I was like, that's what we should be doing. And um, so I started gravitating towards that kind of stuff, but um, it didn't really matter anymore by that point. Um, my influences and everything are, were already uh, instilled into me. And, you know, I got just enough of this and just enough of that to be able to adapt to whatever I have to do, like a chameleon, you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. And you talk of influences and you talk of melodies and, and behind you, I can't escape the, the, the big poster of the Beatles. I mean, uh, what, what sort of impact did they have on your life? Uh, probably the greatest impact that anything's had on my life uh, besides God, you know what I mean? And uh, it's just like I said, I, I had a really, uh, really rough start in a really rough childhood, you know, um, from the time I was a baby. And uh, so it was, it was um, very isolated and very insecure and very scary time. So I heard a, I got this little close and play record player where you, you close it and it starts playing a song. You lift it, it opens. And um, I had that thing and I had, you know, my Puff the Magic Dragon and Mary had a little lamb records and stuff. And then uh, I found uh I found this little orange and orange and white spiraled uh, and it turned, it was the Beatles. It was a Beatles record I had that uh, I found in the closet and I stuck that on there and I was like, Whoa, that's it. Be- blows the shit out of Puff the magic dragon. You know what I mean? I just started, <laughs> it just, it spoke to me. And I, I mean, very young, like five years old. And um, I was off to the races. I never looked back. It's uh, in the Beatles. You can, I've said it before, you can get a full education in songwriting harmonies, orchestration, uh, producing, uh, the, the way of putting parts together, uh, vocals, uh, vocal and fluctuations. And, um, you know, you get, you can get a big education from them alone without adding anything else. And then you start adding other stuff in, but I had that, uh, you know, that's all I would listen to for, you know, probably till I was 10 or 11, you know, and then I started bringing in, uh, you know, rush and, Led Zeppelin and ACDC, Aerosmith. I was, I was a little bit slower on those things than my friends were, you know? So I didn't have any records. I couldn't afford records. So I would just listen to, you know, I would tape my friends records on my little, you know, tape recorder. And as long as I had batteries, I was in business, but um, yeah, the Beatles, you know, I, people use the word Beatles, the term Beatles with me a lot. And, 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 and that's like, it's a double-edged sword there. You know, a lot of people are like the Beatles. Oh, who do you think you are? And there's, then there's guys out there. I hate the fucking Beatles. Oh, I hate the Beatles. Those kind of people. I'm, I'm not a big fan of those people either. If you, <laughs> you don't like the Beatles, there's, you, you don't appreciate, uh, definitely won't appreciate me, <laughs> you know? So, but um, yeah, that was a, that was a big education. I mean, I wasn't aware of that. I was, uh, it was all going, you know, seeds are being planted in my head at that time. But I, it started to make sense to me as I got a little bit older and uh, you know, that's all I did. You know, I'd, I'd wake up with my guitar still in my hands, you know, once I started actually playing the guitar and um, you know, just learning all that stuff, it just really, you know, anybody who wants to learn to, uh, to be an artist, to be a writer or anything like that, 
I do believe you, you need to, uh, whatever it's your fair, very, very favorite music that you like to listen to or band or something to, uh, study that and learn, you know, cause then you know how the songs go. So you can play along to yeah. them and stuff. And you'll, if it speaks to you, it's a, you know, then you can incorporate out, you can network out to different stuff and shit. But the ultimate goal is you have to, uh, take it all in and then evolve your own character. You know what I mean? By with your influence and stuff and you have to develop your own character. And, and, um, unfortunately that's what I did. <laughs> kind of a monster <laughs> monster. Not at all. Not at all. And, and when you talk about evolve your own stuff and take that sort of the, the melodies and the music in and then turn it into your own thing. And that's certainly what you've done. And, and, and this is the reason we've got you on today to talk about this fantastic new collection, the Donny V collection mm -hmm. that you've got. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an incredible set that you've put together for a ridiculous price as well. Uh, I could sit and talk about it, but it'd be mm -hmm. better coming from you, Donnie. I mean, explain what's in this incredible collection. Well, here it is right here. This is it. It's a flash drive. You know, you just click that and there's the flash drive. That place, stick that into whatever you want to stick it in. And um, not only is this the flash drive, this is also this is also uh, at the upcoming shows. This is your meet and greet, your VIP. You know, I didn't take wow. a picture, want to, you know, say hello, shit like that. Maybe a sound check thing yeah, or yeah. something. This works for that as well. But but on here is my five studio records. And um, there's another whole record worth of uh, worth of uh, new new unreleased stuff. It's uh, just done in my home studio. But there's like you know, a whole new record of unreleased shit in there. And then um, then, of course, there's party time. There is uh, instant karma, a bunch of other demos that I from other records and stuff that I thought people might like to hear. And then uh, probably a 40 or 50 videos. Wow. <laughs> so plus it's, plus it's your lanyard. So I think for a hundred bucks is a pretty good deal. Absolutely. It's like an access all areas sort of pass and you get everything else on there as well. So, so within there and all the different records that you've got, is this the one where you, you, you reached out to a, a bootleg collector who had everything of your stuff on there? Yeah, that's what I, I don't have anything. I've never kept the records. I don't have any of my CDs. I don't have any of my shit. Yeah, I just never, Whoa, really? I didn't have any sentimental attachment to anything. You know what I mean? And so as you get older and once you're older and stuff, it's nice to have that shit, you know, because you put on the walls and stuff like that. But I never really, mm -hmm. once I, I'm always working on working yeah. on songs. And when I'm done with the song, it's the last thing I want to hear anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, here, it's, it's for you guys. And I'm on to the next thing. So. I forgot what the question was. Oh, yeah. So the so there's a lot of shit out there, you know. Yeah, it's like 500 gigs worth of shit. Of the, this guy had just collected with other traders and collectors. His name was Tim Ertz, Tim and Kevin Ertz. And they uh, um, just everything. I mean, you could in this drive, I have it. And you, you, I mean, there's years and years of live concerts that people would you know do on their own cameras and stuff. There's, they're all collected in one area. There's all these. There's so many things that I that I never would have remembered that I ever did those in my, you know, uh, never would have thought of them again that I was like, oh, my God, there's that. And there's this and that that's on that big drive. But that's not all on here. And I mean, this that's 500 gigs, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, that's how I uh, that's how I got uh, the idea for that. You know, I was thinking of maybe just maybe I'll run another deal uh, somewhere down the line and and sell the whole hard drive 500 gigs worth of shit and if you if you're a real collector that's the thing right there man and uh it's got everything 
Now I finally have everything. It's on one drive. Yeah. If I lose the drive, I don't have shit anymore. Either. <laughs> <laughs> get that backed up quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not 500 gig. If you're selling that, it'd have to be a bigger lanyard, maybe, I think. Definitely. I would imagine maybe 200 bucks, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'd be a little bit above that. This thing, I do believe, is like eight gigs or something. There's eight gigs on there. So imagine 500. Yeah. I mean, this would be a little heavy around your neck if this <laughs> a big, big hard drive. 100%, 100%. Well, let's touch on uh, Party Time now. That's uh, a single that you brought out recently. Uh, as it sounds, it is, it's one of those catchy, upbeat numbers. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the song itself is fantastic. But the music video as well. I mean, you got to play Batman. Was that, was that a dream of yours or did you just kind of stumble into that? Ah, when a dream becomes a nightmare. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, it, it wasn't. No, it was never a dream. I mean, every kid would like to play, be a superhero sometime in their <laughs> life, you know. Um, um I think I'm one. I'm, I'm, I can't be killed. You know, that's yeah. my superhero powers. <laughs> Nothing can kill me, including myself. But um, yeah, we only had a few channels when I was young. You know, we had mm-hmm. Bat- Batman. You'd watch the Brady Bunch, Speed Racer, shit like that, you know. And uh, and so Batman was one of the big ones that we would watch. But that's um, it was just the place that we were shooting it and the people that we were shooting it with. Um, the guy at the soundstage we were able to use was also uh, a privately owned um auto museum that had uh it's called the claremont collection and, and right in the middle of it all there was uh the batmobile you know the, the old 66 batmobile. batmobile which that's the one i consider the batmobile all the ones later in the later through the years i don't think those are batmobiles they're tanks and different <laughs> things like that you know but that was the batmobile and i'd seen that i was like can we use this and he said yeah we can use it we can use the bat cycle all that stuff and um so just I don't remember exactly how it came to be, but just one thing led to another. And before you know it, uh, I'm that ratty Batman, you know, and <laughs> and we got the whole cast of characters. And uh, and I think it I think it came out really funny. You know, it's uh, once you stop taking yourself so seriously, you can have more fun with things. You know what I mean? And so I obviously uh, don't look like I'll get a bunch of girls dressed as Batman in that outfit. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I'm not really worried about that, though. I just thought it was funny when I seen it. It's like it's perfect in all its imperfections, you know, it's hilarious underarm pits and stuff. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny as well. Cause Robin uh, looks exactly like my friend. So I actually screenshot it and sent it to him uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I said, I didn't realize you were starring in music videos now, which was quite funny, but uh, maybe it, maybe it is him. <laughs> maybe it is indeed. Yeah. Uh, it was an old friend of yours. Wasn't it an old buddy of yours that helped shoot it? Yeah. That was, um, his name is Todd Cosley. He used to own the limousine company that we used to use when, when we, first started out and he became really good friends with us. And, um, you know, he came on the road a bunch of times. He just was, was a really good friend. And, uh, and I hadn't seen him in probably 10, 20 years. And, and I just was, I'd made an, a note or a post that I was th- looking to try to put a video together. I was have people send in the party, you know, clips of them partying and stuff like that, which was the original idea. And then he, uh, commented in there and told me to give him a call as, uh, it turns out that he'd, he had, uh, you know, recently started making movies and he's got all of the equipment and all of those cameras and all of those, you know, the crew and everything like that. He was in, in commercials and stuff. And so he reached out and said that, you know, he always always had wanted to do something like that for us, you know, and and um, and so he did, you know, and it, it's we go like we got a really, really big, big production video for, uh, you know, not didn't cost cost me that much money, you know. <laughs> Not like it looks, 
you know. Mates rates, that's what we call it in the UK, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had a whole sheet of the slangs I used to go out there with, so I knew <laughs> what the hell you guys were saying half the time. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to learn them again for next time you come over. Um, you probably get asked this as well. Um, Chip, it was nice to see Chip in the video with you. Um, how did all that come about? Because obviously you guys have had a, a very on-off relationship over the years, haven't you? Yeah, well, at the time when we shot that, um, uh, we had just done a, enough's enough licensing deal for all the enough's enough catalog. So that put us and COVID had just hit and I just reached out and just, uh, you know, just decided, you know, the, this hatred that I had was, was really weighing me down pretty badly. You know, I just felt very violated. So maybe just take, take everything you've done and just take it away from you. You know, it was, it was pretty hard for me, but, um, mm -hmm. but, um, uh, you know, of course, we were we were on speaking terms because of uh, the deal that we were doing and we we're getting paid, you know, make some money and stuff. And so my uh, when my uh, bass player, he came down with lymphoma right then when we were about to shoot the video. So he couldn't make it. And I was trying to think. I said, well, probably people get a kick out of it if they seen Chip in it, you know, and I asked him to do it. And of course, he of course, he said, yes, you know, he's get his get his spray on that, too. You know, what I mean, so. So he did it, and then the video came out so well that I retracked the song, and he plays on the song too. Brilliant. And um, is there any future for the two of you and Enough's Enough together, or is it is it days over at the moment? Um, I put it out there. Let's just let's put it that way. I put it out there, and uh, it wasn't well received. So um, you know, you know, it's like I don't I don't want Carrie if I can do it then he should have no problem having to do it. And the only reason I wanted to do it is for the fans. You know what I mean? To free cut because of what, what's been happening to that brand name, you know, it's just been, you you know, and, um, and I think that the fans would, and I'd like to sing those songs again for all my friends and fans and every round against like seven, eight years since I've, uh, since I've, you know, played rock shows and stuff and played with enough's enough. And, um, you know, it wouldn't be too difficult for me to just slide in. It's like, not like I have to learn the songs, you know, I just, just slip right in there with those guys and sing some, but I didn't want to do what I definitely didn't want to do what he's doing. Like, like getting in a van with a bunch of other stinky guys and this and that and riding around and uh, playing, playing like all those uh, opening for cock rock bands all over around, you know, I, I certainly wasn't into that, but I didn't think that, I don't think that's necessary to do. I think you play less, better quality shows and venues that are well promoted yep. and, uh, and done, done sensibly. And uh, you can make a lot more money. Your perception is a lot cooler. It's a lot, lot less demoralizing when you're not standing there in front of 50 people. And when you're opening up for faster pussycat or something, and there's 50 people in front of you and, uh, and you're making 50 bucks, you know what I mean? So it's um, that leads to, that leads to drinking and cocaine and shit like that before you know it then you got all the whoring whoring going around again <laughs> everything so no so that's not a not at my age i mean i made it so far i consider that that i made it i'm still alive you know at 57 years old yep. so um you know i mean i'm not going to go back around you know finish the job you know so yeah i put it out there i said i would be willing to do some things and um and uh he basically just said that if I did any shows with them, it would ruin his thing that he's doing. You know what I mean? Well, I said, ruin your thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, why? Well, I, I think you're ruining my thing, <laughs> you know, because I wrote and sang all those songs. But 
But um, it is what it is. I'm not just I'm just not going to go slinging any mud at him. He's doing what he wants to do. I'm doing what I want to do. And and, uh, you know, I get him to play. The least he can do is play bass on some <laughs> tracks for me. He's a great bass player. Great bass player. Absolutely. You're talking about doing what you're doing then. So what are you doing, Donnie? I mean, what's happening now for, for you and your world? Yeah. Uh, you know, well, the, the, the flashed out the new video. We got another uh, best of record coming out. Beautiful things. I never got to support it. Never got to tour with it because of COVID hit yeah, and everything. COVID, and so, yeah. yeah. And then once I uh, bought it out of that last label that it came out on. So we're going to redistribute it and, and reissue uh, the Beautiful Things record. And of course, everything that I'm going to reissue, I'm going to put new stuff on it, too. So there's a reason to, you know, um, probably be vinyl and stuff or digital, but I'll make sure there's new stuff on each one. But um, yeah, that's there's going to be a lot of that going on and, uh, and some new singles as we go. And, and now I'm talking to booking agents and putting together um, the plan for live shows, you know, probably spring, spring, summer be out there doing it brilliant well it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you donnie thank you uh, thanks for speaking to me so early in your day and um i hope everything goes well and, and best to look for the future thank you very much i look forward to coming back over and seeing you guys uh, no haggis i don't eat the haggis <laughs> you know i've seen you guys eating haggis sandwiches and shit uh no but I, i'm looking forward to getting back over there I, I miss everybody i love all you guys i just I, I just can't wait to sing these songs again for everybody and uh see everybody again i miss everybody and now I got a single and let's party. <laughs> there you go, Donny V. Definitely check out that incredible collection he has for sale. It's only $100 for what is an incredible amount of stuff. And as he says, the uh, lanyard it comes in, the USB thing, gives you backstage meet and greet and all that kind of thing, access to his future shows. So check out the details. Just go to DonnyV.com. I've also got to mention that it's such a shame that the water isn't able to flow under the bridge kind of both ways and nicely between him and Chip when it comes to the enough's enough stuff, but let's just hope for the best for all parties going forward. Right, it's the time of the show now to give you my top five songs from this week's guest. Remember, this is my personal choice. I don't claim it to be the definitive list. It is very subjective, but hopefully it can open some doors for anyone who may not be overly familiar with the person or the band in question. So here we go. My favorite five songs from Enough's Enough, according to Vintage Rock Pod. First up is a track from the Paraphernalia album in 1998, the opening song, of course, which features guitar work by Cheap Tricks' Rick Nielsen. And number five is Freak. At four is the closing track on their debut album, Dark in Subject Matter, but a song I've always liked and a chorus I've always loved. At number four is Finger on the Trigger. At number three is the first single to break through, hitting number 67 on the Billboard chart. It's catchy and it's fun. At number three is New Thing.
two is their highest charting single, More Melodic, and as Donnie explained in the interview, came to him pretty quickly and revolves around a friend that passed away. Also from their debut album, at number two is Fly High Michelle. And at number one for me is perhaps not an expected pick, but I love it. It has a harder edge to it, especially given the subject matter. It comes from their second album, Strength, in 1991. My favourite Enough's Enough song. And the number one song, according to Vintage Rock Pod, is The World is a Gutter. So there you go, my favourite five songs from Enough's Enough. As ever, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this list. Where do you agree? Where do you disagree? Drop me an email, vintagerockpod at gmail.com or hit me up on the socials. And another request to say, if you haven't already, then please, please do subscribe to the Vintage Rock Pod channel on YouTube. I'm trying to push it to the 1,000 subscribers mark so that it activates the monetization policy that YouTube has. Until then, any ads playing on my videos, YouTube keep the money from, so it would be nice if I got to keep some of that. Just search for Vintage Rock Pod and click the big subscribe button on the channel there. It's totally free. It's easy to do. And I do put up a lot of different content on there for you as well. You obviously get to see the videos of some of these interviews I do. I throw in some of the short rock stories in there. There's the top fives in video form and a couple of quizzes from earlier on in the series and other little bits as well. So it's definitely worth subscribing to. Also, check out the social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and keep up to date with all the stuff there. Well, that's it for this week's show then. If this is your first listen, then please follow or subscribe to the series on whatever podcast platform you're using so you don't miss any future episodes. Episodes get released usually every Monday with a big name guest on each show. So until the next one then, remember, if you come across anyone who isn't a fan of rock, just tell them my music is better than yours. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. 
FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.